Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Um, I just hit the button and now it's recording Josh Brown so that we don't even have to worry about doing an, an introduction. And then we just snap a snap a little wow. slice of what it's like, me and you, having a bit of a blab. <laughs> it's mostly like this. I'm scared no one would listen to it, Scott, because it's mostly me and you either shouting at each other or getting really angry <laughs> that we played the same game completely differently. You know what I mean? Look, this isn't a Ghost of Tsushima breakdown. This is something different <laughs> entirely. Um, maybe someday we'll talk about how me and you played Ghost of Tsushima in completely different ways. Both loved it, um, but I didn't play half the missions that you did. No, I thought we should talk about Assassin's Creed because both of us have... St- also, this is going to be full-on mega, oh my God, spoilers for Assassin's Creed Valhalla's ending um, because... It's pretty damn clear, considering that we talked about this uh, this morning before we started recording, it is very, very clear that a mainstream audience is not playing Assassin's Creed anymore, i.e. they're not getting to the end anymore, because the end of Valhalla is some straight-up ridiculous madness on the level of the Minerva twist from AC2, and I would say that that twist is like iconic, maybe AC2's peak in terms of story moments, I would say, probably the most memorable story moment in Assassin's Creed uh, history, and Valhalla tries to go one better, tries to sort of yep. get back to that territory, tries to do a ridiculous thing. And I kind of just wanted to have a, a conversation on everything relating to Assassin's Creed, because when you went into Valhalla and you started playing more of it, that was when I was playing Immortals. And you were like, man, it's great. I'm loving Valhalla. It's, it's awesome. And I was like, dude, I played Origins. I played Odyssey. I can't do Valhalla again. I can't do... <laughs> 500 hours of this formula um but now that we've got to the end and you can kind of talk about it um you know holistically what's your general thoughts on assassin's creed where you're at i know the the ending didn't do it for you we will get into specifics yeah. but where you are on on all things ac i'm just so conflicted man like from top to bottom because like what like i said when i was messaging you and i was talking to you and i've mentioned it in a few videos and podcasts before like mm-hmm. assassin's creed valhalla got me back into assassin's creed in a way that origins no origins and odyssey just didn't because I, I played that last year you actually um gave me that game you sent it to me just before we went into lockdown and i still got it haven't been able to give you it back yeah i've still got your copy what um, wait a minute what yeah honestly i have yours you gave oh me oh my it. god that okay yeah, yeah that i just had a memory there good yeah yep. got the, feels got like the a lifetime ago doesn't it that is um, insane yeah, carry on obviously when we first went into lockdown last march i uh, played the hell out of it played about 25 hours but just completely lost off because nothing about it like engaged me in a really substantial compelling way like it was a cool little gameplay loop that i had mm. and of course it's gorgeous and i loved cassandra but i just wasn't invested in a way that would demand 60 hours of my time whereas when it came to assassin's creed valhalla 
initially they made enough changes to the core structure that I felt engaged with the world and with the characters. And I wanted to see a story play out because they made a lot of interesting tweaks to the Assassin's Creed formula that for me really immersed me in the world in a way that I just couldn't get into in Odyssey, like taking away a lot of the icons on the minimap, for instance. Obviously mm. you can still mark them, but it was much more inspired like Immortals is by Breath of the Wild and kind of like exploring the world for yourself, you were encouraged to return to your base, which made each um, bit of exploration feel more substantial and not just like I was eating a lot of disposable content. <laughs> but while that was great for about 40 or 50 hours, by the time I got to hour 60 and was just looking at the map of things to do and just wondering how it was going to wrap up and where it was going to go, I started to get a bit worried because that game has so much stuff in it and a lot of it's good, but when you've eaten the Assassin's Creed pie for 50 hours already and you're <laughs> looking down, going out for the same wealth, the same mysteries, doing the same basic structure in each of these kingdoms, it starts to wear you down a little bit and then it hits you with like three different endings like you alluded to before that are just mad and if you haven't been keeping up on Assassin's Creed lore, just kind of like don't make any sense. Well, so let's, like, let's sort of dive into this a little bit. They did the thing. They did the big old thing. They had one card left to play for uh, old school fans. Because I feel like Assassin's Creed has danced around the, the reality that they started the IP being this split of like modern day stuff or new age stuff and old school. It was always, you know, Desmond was in the Animus and it was flashing back and it was the old school stuff. And for me, I always loved that split. I don't know where you came down on that split because a lot of Assassin's Creed fans are just give me the old school stuff. I don't care about all the modern day stuff. I don't care about Desmond. I don't care about connecting it to the modern day. And I just want to enjoy a series of old school, extremely lovably recreated locales. And I just want to do all that stuff. And for me, I was like, no, the the hook is, how is that going to influence the future? And I was always one of those fans that thought that they would do one set in New York because New York mm -hmm. is a location teased even at the end of the original game. And I always just thought that, you know, the bleeding effect, Desmond's going to become a modern day assassin. That's where you take that franchise. Obviously that was before it, you started doing annual releases and stuff. Um, but that whole split, they played that card because in AC3, Desmond gets killed or he kills himself. He grabs that orb thing to save the earth. And it's when the plot just goes complete banana sandwich, ridiculous. And then I feel <laughs> like that's also when Patrice Desolé left the team, the initial creative director. So I feel like the initial guardian of the, of the law, the plot left. And I feel like the teams after that were like, well, we don't even know where you were going to take this. And so we've yeah. killed the character and everything. And so in Valhalla, Desmond arguably comes back. I mean, it, almost, it definitely is him. He's still voiced by Nolan North. But one of the Valhalla endings is that Layla Hassan, the new main character in the, in the modern day timeline, goes to this ethereal data space place and talks to a character called the reader who exists yeah. almost outside of time and space who is just who's surprisingly jacked to be honest desmond was not a hefty no. man but he's a he's a big lad there's some pecs going on some pectorals and uh yeah just a big old sort of light creature um called the reader well i guess you wouldn't even know that if you didn't have the subtitles on i think maybe they say they're called the reader maybe once i only got excited the subtitles on i must admit yeah and so either way so you, you know that was their whole card it was like old school fans you love desmond you were championing whatever he was going to do and now he's back but he exists as this character called the reader who exists outside of time and space and he's trying his motivation now this is where i'm going to pass it back to you again his motivation now is that he's trying to find a dimension a reality that is not dogged by templars versus assassins is that his thing He's trying to do something with the threads of time. 
it is extremely confusing and the best way to describe it i think is that the reader slash desmond slash nolan north has essentially become dr strange in infinity war where he's looking at all the potential futures right. and he's looking for the one where like humanity doesn't um, die and he's been doing that and he wasn't able to until layla came into this dimension or whatever and said here what if you looked at the potential um um, outcomes of Desmond not saving the world back in 2012. If he didn't mm. save the world, will there be a future where humanity can like learn from its mistakes and stop like the ultimate destruction of everything? So that's where it's the always game Earth, isn't it? Of... It's always just ultimate destruction <laughs> of Earth. We can't think of anything else. Just it's always got to be that. Essentially, but yeah, like the whole thing links back to the end of Assassin's Creed Three, which I'm exactly the type of Assassin's Creed fan who fell off after that in terms of the right. future plot. When I first played the original game, like I was so looking forward to it. And I I had no idea the sci-fi elements were in there. And I remember booting it up very vividly. Remember having that revealed to me in the first five minutes and thinking, Oh, I don't oh, know about know. this. Didn't know. Didn't oh. know at all. And it was a big shock, but then I came to love Desmond and his story. <laughs> like I said, even that mad stuff at the end of three. So to come back into this, did this be my first proper Assassin's Creed that I've played until completion since Assassin's Creed, probably Syndicate, I think. Brotherhood? Like, okay, okay. Uh, I did, I did Brotherhood, did Revelations, uh, played Syndicate. Uh -huh. But to get to the end of this and for this to, you know, go back to Assassin's Creed 3 and be like, look, yeah, we stopped the apocalypse for a little bit, but if anything, we've all we've only just kind of slowed it down. It's still coming, and we still we need to find a way to properly stop it for good. Like, that was kind of cool, but the issue is, Scott Tailford, like, that just doesn't have anything to do with the rest of the plot of the game, really. <laughs> and it just comes at the end where you're, you're Layla, like, twice, and then you just get all of this mad stuff, and it's like, oh, remember Assassin's Creed 3? And I'm like, I do, but if you right. haven't played these games... This, mean, this means nothing as the climax to Assassin's Creed Valhalla. That's the kind of main problem. <laughs> the thing is, it just kind of comes out of nowhere. I feel like in a, in a I was going to say in a, it's not, there's a weird uh, territory you can take a story, let's say, that I think Kingdom Hearts is in. I think e uh, 13 Sentinels, Aegis Rim, the game from last year is in, mm -hmm. where it's it's not just necessarily spoil both of those games, but you know, you're in anime realms of multi-dimensions and characters are back from the dead and it, literally anything goes. And yeah. I don't know where you come down on that stuff. Personally, I like it if it's enjoyable. I just, if it's fun to talk about, like literally fun to talk about and go, oh my God, did you see that person's actually the, the clone brother of the, the evil dude from the first one? Like I, I can totally go with that. As someone who was raised on Metal Gear and loves Yakuza, like I'm all for that. The clone twist in one of the Yakuza's um, is brilliant. And so I'm always for that. But I get that if you've been doing a franchise for this long, like where do you take it? And it's almost, it was weird because in Syndicate was when they brought the modern day stuff back and they had all the, it was very minuscule, but they had those cutscenes of, um, I forget that, the guy that uh, Danny Baker voices. I think it's Danny Baker. Oh, I... Uh, man with the glasses, man who knows Dawn? things. Sean, yeah. And uh, they yes. brought him back and obviously, you know, they in syndicate, it was like, okay, all this stuff is still happening. There's all this heist thing going on and whatever, access to the animus, yada, yada. And so I wonder if they trialed with Unity, for example, because Unity still kept, this is what's confusing about Assassin's Creed, Unity kept all the data-based UI stuff, like mm -hmm. characters glitching out and like, you know, you're accessing the game from this sort of computer looking menu uh, in the main menu, but in nothing in, in AC Unity was tied to the modern day stuff at all. And so mm -hmm. I remember okay. thinking at the time, that if you were a new player, you'd be like, well, what the hell is this stuff? And I kind of think that they were then like, okay, we'll dial that back. We'll bring the modern day stuff back in Syndicate. And then for whatever reason, from Origins onwards, especially in Odyssey's DLC, they just went full on anime madness. Like the end of Odyssey <laughs> is um, Cassandra or Alexios. Uh, Alexios, yeah, Alexios. 
um, holds a time freezing staff, which I've told you about because you haven't seen this in Odyssey, but in the Atlantis yeah. deal, they go to Atlantis for one thing, but <laughs> just, you know, cheeky Atlantis. And then they get a big staff that freezes their age. And so that allowed Cassandra slash Alexios to meet up with Layla. So for me, that was their big, oh my God, they've taken it this far moment in Odyssey. But if you miss Odyssey, then I guess you missed them embracing anime, I would say, the craziness wow. to that yeah. degree. Well, they kind of play more or less the same card at the end of Valhalla right. as well, where you have um, Basim, definitely Basim and not Hytham. Yeah, Basim, who's yeah. Uh, essentially, you know, he's one of the hidden ones, one of the he old passed. school assassins from the Viking times, mm-hmm. who has been helping you throughout the game, but then kind of turns on you at the very end for some kind of weird reason. But then there's a final twist where you pick up in the modern day with Layla and he has the staff and he kind of like regenerates. And then he becomes the player character, presumably for the next game. And he goes into the animus in the present day. It's very strange. And like you, like I'm, I'm fully here for it. Like I, I loved the Assassin's Creed plots of the, of the original games. It was well into this strange sci-fi narrative framing. The issue is here is while I do love and pop for that stuff, it, it, gets the focus right at the end but only really takes up like 10 minutes of narrative before then like there's no kind of build up to this big mad assassin's creed moment because eivor (laughs) the the player the player character isn't really involved with it it's through his or her um, brother sigurd who who is kind of like doing this assassin's plot on the side and you're just kind of seeing it happen and you have no real agency in the story like even towards the end it's like a bunch of hours between the big plot points with Sigurd and he nothing really changes except he says like well I'm ready to finish the main plot now we better go do that assassin stuff <laughs> and Eivor's just kind of like along for the ride and it's, right. it's quite cool to have that framing of you're not necessarily an assassin in the regular sense you're kind of outside of it and you're a supporting character in another assassin or whatever's like main story mm-hmm. but it just it it doesn't really work as a climax to the game and that's my big issue with Assassin's Creed Valhalla in general is that there are so many cool characters in this game there are so many interesting stories to be had in this game every single time you go to a new kingdom or whatever mm-hmm. like I found every single one of those stories like really fascinating and varied like there's a really good Wicker Man one that just is like steeped in like pagan rituals and stuff okay. but the issue is they're all like self-contained and they don't really build towards any kind of grand finale there is a grand finale which ends up just kind of being um an advert for dlc that doesn't really wrap anything up right. and no matter which of these endings you get like you're not hit with credits and there's no sense of finality or conclusion to your adventure even the end makes it a point of, well, you've pacified England, but there's plenty more adventuring to be done. You know, get out there, go look for wealth and stuff. And that's mm-hmm. quite cool. But without that build, I kind of came away without a sa- without a sense of satisfaction. Like I didn't really have that sense of closure to the game. And I, I imagine that's intentional because Ubisoft wants you playing this game yes. forever and ever and ever and continuing to come back and continue to come back for DLC, or whatever. But as a kind of fan of, you know, completing a game and moving on, as it a fan felt, of stories with three acts or three acts. As arcs. a fan of stories yeah. that have beginning, middle, ends, and proper conclusions <laughs> and proper character motivations, like I just, I was left confused and baffled and it kind of soured the overall experience for me a little bit. 
Well, okay, so we should talk about the way that they've chose to split these things now, because in the original trilogy, and even obviously into Black Flag, you had all that weird first-person stuff. You're working for Abstergo, who acknowledged Ubisoft as a real-life company in the game, yeah. and it was like a whole thing. And then they sort of wrote themselves into a corner and then backed out of it, and that was all their Unity stuff and whatever. And then they rebooted everything with Origins um, and Odyssey, and that's when we started getting that way more open-ended style, like whatever you want to call this new genre type. It's, it's, it's similar, but not totally. Like I feel like they've kind of gone for this just everything that ubisoft does in one game it's like this massive open world thing there's tons of icons there's you know all these different sort of like it's very witcher style like there's some things Mm -hmm. to crimes to find and things to solve and um locations to plunder and stuff like that and so you then have this portion of the assassin's creed phantom that love the fact that it's like 200 hours of that stuff whereas like for me i just refer to that as like stodge because i'm like well that's that's 200 hours of optional content that i don't care about because it's just it feels stodgy it feels like you put it in here because that's what the competition was doing it doesn't feel like you did it from the beginning whereas i do want the story stuff and i do care well i care ish about what happens with someone like desmond i care about layla i think she's written really well and it's like i'm going to come back if something happens with big des which is how i checked out all the valhalla stuff <laughs> but that whole rebooted new it's now a trilogy i guess um of origins odyssey valhalla do you find that that, that even serves the source material anymore or they they want to do like 90 hours of gameplay they want it to be this gameplay first thing and it's like yeah. if, if you get through all that you're rewarded with this crazy cutscene that should satisfy yeah. the diehards like is that just kind of a, a structure that they think works better than it actually does i think so you know like assassin's creed valhalla really works as a game that you might dip into for like an hour or two every night or every week like if you don't have a long time if you don't have the time to like put in a massive sesh at the weekend or whatever and you want like something <laughs> self-contained and feel satisfied afterwards like it's great for that like i said because the kingdoms are so bite-sized but yeah it doesn't really have this overall contribution to the assassin's creed law and i think mm. valhalla in particular is a game that's like entirely at odds with its origins weirdly enough and I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing because we've gone we've come so far from those original games now that yeah. if they want to do a Viking game, that's cool. And for the most part, this is like you're a Viking, you come to England, you've got to conquer, you're gonna mess stuff up, you're gonna you're gonna burn down some houses and stuff. And the stories taught within that framework are good and are rewarding. But then it always seems to have to make these concessions to oh, also you've got the the order of the ancients going on, you've got some Templars. <laughs> this over here. Isu and like oh, yeah. peace yeah, of Eden. Like, yeah there's a piece of eden but we're not really going to call them that anymore i don't know if we're are we embarrassed by that now i'm not sure but it's strange i can't get patrice desley on the phone so just you're gonna have to do something we can't get him and it's those concessions that really really stick out because it's like you can do a really focused like assassin's creed game in the classic sense where you're really diving into all of that crazy stuff but it now and at this point, I'm kind of like sure they've they've earned the right to just, if they don't want to do that, they can break off. They can do Assassin's Creed Valhalla and just make it all about the Vikings and maybe have some connections to the other um, games or whatever. But they don't necessarily have to do this 90-hour story and mm. then suddenly go, how do we make this an Assassin's Creed story? Like right at the very end, that stuff is um, jarring. It, I don't think it really works for long-time fans necessarily because then you're making them sit through a lot of stuff they don't want just to get this payoff it doesn't work for people who are just coming into this new trilogy and are enjoying how little the sci-fi stuff comes in but then it kind of feel a little bit underhanded when the finale of the whole game 
does inevitably inevitably come back around to this cosmic world ending future thing imagine with characters that you your, barely really know. Yeah, imagine if this was your first Assassin's Creed. If you were just like, oh, I want God. a really fun third person action Viking game, and then the first time you get booted out as Layla, it's funny because you she steps out the animus and you can walk around the room that they're in. It's like it's like Sean's there and you can talk to the, the mission that they're on and they're trying to find stuff and whatever. But you can also just jump right past it. There's an option to yeah. just get back in the machine straight away. <laughs> so you just you come out of it and you're like, I'm going back in. See you later. And you just sort of <laughs> dive back in again. And it's like, it's just weird. It's sort of torn between two ideals. Like they kind of want to go like, yep, we totally see you. Like, oh, if you just want to play fun action stuff, because the combat's the best it's ever been. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, one of the biggest problems with AC's combat was always that the sound effects were always out of time with the animation. So you would do some really cool choreographed blade in the throat, throw the other blade towards the next guy thing. And then two seconds later, you'd hear like, and I was just like, why is that not synced up? It, would, it bugged me for like 10 years. And they finally got it right in Valhalla. Um, another thing I was going to say with the um, the idea of like you know prioritizing so much gameplay stuff is how much do you think this is the sheer reality of the fact of those people that I can't think of their names and I'm not going to look them up because they don't deserve to be named the people that were um, that left Ubisoft the studio head people and um, there was that one guy um, who everything had to go through him and he wanted everything to be this like open world stodgy thing because he was convinced yeah. that would sell regardless how much do you th- is, it, is this game maybe the last time we'll have that clash between narrative and, and gameplay because that was directly influenced by him i mean even yeah. the creative director uh yusuf medi stepped down um and obviously that would have been too late in production to change drastic stuff but i wonder if the next ac will just be way more balanced in a particular direction because they won't have these like warring ideals of what assassin's creed should be hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain i learned this the hard way after losing my cat gingy so i created pretty litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. 
For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. I think so, because you can sort of see them try to push out of the Ubisoft formula with this one. Like I said, the way that they treat exploration is much mm. better, in my opinion, than in Odyssey. The way they treat how you complete the missions, and like even how they treat side missions, for instance. Side missions are no longer this kind of rote thing where you just get an objective mark and go kill like five bears or whatever. You have to just... They're treated as mysteries in the game where you have to oh, like, listen to a piece yeah. of dialogue. That uh, bear like, had a family, and like, oh, you know... <laughs> <laughs> the bear like lends some money from the other bear and you've got to go figure it out like, oh that's true I don't like that this, I, I will admit they're not perfect right but i did appreciate that you actually had to listen to what was going on and right. you had to like take it in and look at the world rather than just rather than just someone pop up and be like yeah kill me five bears go to this market don't look at anything don't engage with anything just kill it kill it kill it come mm-hmm. back i appreciated that it was at least trying to flex within this ubisoft framework but i mm-hmm. still think the structure of ubisoft games having this kind of like conquer the area sort of well structure to it like it if ghost recon had it far cry 5 had it wait you're given like free reign over where you want to go mm. but nothing changes from you know location to location you're fundamentally doing the same things in assassin's creed at hour seven as yep. you are at hour 90 like yes the names changes yes the the enemies sometimes change. Yes, the order of things sometimes have, you know, a few variables, but ultimately you're going to one of these locations. You're going to meet whoever's in charge. You're going to do a few missions for them. You're going to collect some wealth. You're going to do some mysteries. You're going to ultimately have an assault siege to finish everything off. And then you've made friends with them. And that's mm-hmm. how everyone goes. And like I said, they do a great job of making it feel different enough and substantial enough every single time you go to one of these places. But ultimately you're on this kind of single file kind of like walk throughout the whole game where there's no real peaks and troughs. Or if there are peaks and troughs, they're all easily identified beforehand. Like every single time you go to a big city in Assassin's Creed Valhalla, you have to hunt down three serial killers more or less three or (laughs) three people in the order of the ancients. And by the time I was doing the very last one, in the very last seat at the end of the game. And it was again like, no, no, sorry, spoilers again. Not that we've not spoiled everything before, but in the very last seat, after you've done two big city missions where you have to go there and you have to hunt down three killers, mm-hmm. it tries to throw you a curveball. And it's like, oh, this time there's only two of them because one died before you got there. But it can't even commit to that twist because it's such a sucker for the formula that it goes, oh. no, they're really, they're really worth three all along. He's the third one. He's not dead. Go kill him. And it's like, so if you can't even surprise me with that, it just made me reflect about the whole game and how ultimately, despite the changes, it was formulaic from beginning to end. And, and you could guess everything in how it well, was that going was, to play. 
That was my thing because I finished Origins and then I got a long time through Odyssey. I, I don't, I mean, 80, 90 hours. I got like a pretty far through Odyssey. I was still doing side stuff in then, but because I went from Origins straight into Odyssey, because Odyssey was the one that they put out like seven months later, they didn't wait a whole year. And then when Valhalla came around, I still got it because I get everything because it's me. And I played a little bit of Valhalla and I was like, no, nah, I can't, I can't do all of this again. It feels too similar. I'm holding the shoulder button. I'm doing the special moves and it just feels a little bit too similar. I'm unlocking the same moves, you know, the shoulder barge and stuff like that. And I needed it to be something else. So I kind of dropped off. Um, but in saying that, I will, as a side note, will wholeheartedly recommend Immortals because I feel like that knows what it is. And in a weird way, I like drastically prefer Immortals to AC Valhalla, even though I've gone back to Valhalla a lot recently. Um, Immortals is weird because it completely steers into the Ubisoft treadmill and just says like, look, you don't care about story. We don't care about story. Here's some stupid, cringy characters trying to do one-liners. And then here's a bunch of puzzles. Here's a bunch of uh, dungeons with cool little puzzles in them. And when you're on the way there, there'll probably be a bit of armor or a weapon that you can pick up. And there'll probably be a different enemy that you can fight. And you find you know, this ever-increasing gameplay loop of things that you're doing. And it's just, it's genuinely hard to put down because it plays so well. And for me, like, contrasting it to where Assassin's Creed is, it's almost weighed down by being an Assassin's Creed game because they have mm -hmm. to... There's almost like an expected slower pace to AC and it has this weird sort of feeling to it where it's like, well, we need to have these more considered cutscenes and all that. And like, you know, you mentioned like the sci-fi stuff comes in towards the end and everything. But do you think like going forward, if they just steer headlong into the gameplay stuff and vary it up more, that that would solve the problem? Or do they need to do <sighs> something more narratively considered and bring it back to the grounding and flesh all the reader and the, the dead stuff out? I th well, well. first off, I want to like shout out to this podcast, essentially being me and you taking different um, directions down a fork in the road at Christmas where we both had yeah. Assassin's Creed and uh, we both had Immortals and I chose Assassin's Creed and you chose Immortals <laughs> and now we're here reaping what we... Gameplay uh, loop, we made a loop, we bring back it back or whatever. together. But <laughs> when it comes to like whether or not they should go down the more gameplay focused route or the narrative focused route, for me, I think the gameplay is actually really good. Like what you mm. do in this game is really satisfying. Like you said, the combat's really great. I think exploration is in a really good place. I would change the parkour and the climbing because that feels incredibly slow compared to everything else, right. especially when you're in this much bigger world. But for me, the big issue is just having a sense of escalation, like having choice and having options in the open world is cool. Being able to decide which kingdom to go to first is really interesting. But ultimately, when everything's just a different version, different flavor of the same meal, you eventually get sick of it and it needs to build something. It needs to mean something more than what you're experiencing it in the moment. Because I think Ubisoft games excel at making you satisfied in the moment, but mm -hmm ultimately you know we make the fast food analogy over and over again like it's great for when you're eating it but afterwards you're kind of like what did that amount to like what's that building towards <laughs> and that's the problem that assassin's creed has for me at the moment like I, I i loved so much of my time with it i think it's genuinely one of the most beautiful games you could play right now oh, stunning, from a visual yeah. perspective mm -hmm. so stunning love the change with the gear system even love the narrative for the most part but the issue is it's not necessarily the balance it's just like how much you impact the world how much agency you have in the story and what that story wants to say because ultimately the story of assassin's creed valhalla like says nothing and the characters <laughs> are ultimately so inconsequential to the whole thing that it makes you wonder why you bothered in the first place and that is an issue right. i have with a lot of assassin's creed games i mean look at watchdogs legion for instance mm -hmm. the characters matter so little in that that you can literally be anyone you know what i mean it doesn't matter who you are it doesn't matter who mm -hmm. the protagonist is what matters is what you the player are doing in any specific 
moment. You know what I mean? That like, that's- really makes me think because mm-hmm. at the very end of, I don't know if it's at the end of all, because the thing is with Valhalla, I should probably should have said this at the start. I never finished the story because like I said, I dropped off it, but I did go back and watch all the cutscenes for, for stuff. The more, as soon as it came on my radar that they were doing crazy business, I was like, I'm going to have to go and see this crazy <laughs> business because I'm not going to sit and play another 60 hours just to get it. Um, and I watched all the ending cutscenes and stuff. I wonder if that whole ending of Layla sort of saying that she'll stay with Desmond, stay with the reader and analyze all these different threads and whatever, if that is then a direct pivot into Watch Dogs 3, uh, the tech hmm. from Watch Dogs 3, because then you have endless number of protagonists, endless number of whatever little mini stories you want to do. And like, it's just, you can see that being a perfect blueprint for what that dude, the uh, the guy that wanted every game to be Assassin's Creed. Again, I know what his name is, but I'm not going to say it. The guy that was fired over all the uh, horrible allegation stuff. Um, that dude that wanted everything to be just, you know, the Assassin's Creed treadmill, um, that would be a great way to go down that route if you just wanted cold, hard business cash for all time. It's just yeah. the Bioshock Infinite ending of just sort of like, well, we have infinite assassins and infinite uh, Templar types, and we just go down that route. Um, and it also gets around, you know, you can design your own character. They've kind of been doing this, um, you know, both genders approach for the last couple of games. But if they flesh it all the way out and just do Watch Dogs 3 tech, I wonder yeah. if they do it that way. The both genders thing is is really interesting, actually, because, you know, in um, Odyssey, for instance, they are two distinct characters, you know, mm. Cassandra or Alexios. And while there aren't, like, you know, huge, 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 huge differences bet- between them, like, you get a different narrative between... between be- oh, my God, I'm just losing my entire mouth here. You get a different narrative depending on who you choose because yes. both characters are involved in the plot. Here, though, you can literally change which gender Eivor is depending on wherever you are in the game you can literally go to the menu and swap between male or female Mm -hmm. which is which is kind of cool because it lets you experience a bunch of different customization options but again for me highlights just how fundamentally kind of unimportant to the narrative avar is which is so strange because he is the main character is involved in a bunch of things is literally making all these friendships and stuff Mm -hmm. but it's almost like they write the lead character's role first and then the personality comes second and then it's like well, we don't really mind if you're male or female either. <laughs> we just, just just choose swap. It doesn't really matter. But that kind of like acted as like a weird incongruity when I was playing because I didn't recognize the choice when I was changing it. So people were referring to me when I was male or as like her and she, like using those pronouns. Oh, yeah. And I was like, so you've not really accounted for this in the same way that you did previously. And it makes me wonder about, you know, like you said, all of those different accusations and reports that came out and apparently like the assassin's creed team has been wanting to make like a female fronted mm. assassin's creed game for like the longest time and the people at the top have been like no you same need to guy, get a, right? yeah. yeah same guy like you need to get a male a male protagonist in there make it an option or something and i just want to see them be able to commit to one protagonist and like mm. go all in and properly write them and make them incredibly distinct mm-hmm. and if that's like a female character that's really cool but like just make a protagonist that's like the focal point and you know make them as memorable as an Ezio or a Desmond or whoever say, you know what I mean yeah because I feel like I, I'll t- for as much as Altair gets talked about like he he's nowhere near as personable as Ezio but that also Ezio also benefits from having three games about him and yeah. I, I feel like a lot of people coming out of Origins thought that they would do the same with Bayek because he was he went down the best like you know like it's not like you had like I mean as much as I don't I like um, Arno I was going to call him Arno, Arno Dorian I think he's called from Unity hmm. um, and I like the Fry Twins but like um, Bayek's whole vibe and his story and his <clears throat> 
<clears throat> relationship uh, with Anna, I think she's called. That whole thing, that was received so warmly after Origins that it made it would make sense to do more of those games. Plus, they were meant to be diving into the origins of the Assassin Order, which they don't do in that game, even though it's called Origins. They then do it in Odyssey, um, and they did <laughs> DLC or whatever called The Origin of the Blade and all that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I guess that's something to sort of focus on as well, is like how much do they think that they need to, they don't need to do more memorable characters. They need to go down the Watch Dogs tech because like Watch Dogs 3, Watch Dogs Legion, um, that would have been a huge amount of money to develop all that technology. And I, for me, I don't think the Watch Dogs IP is worth anything. As much as I enjoy Watch Dogs, it's fine, especially 2 and Legion. Um, like them quite a lot, but I like, I don't know, does that tech, should it come across kind of thing? Or it's like, do they need to try and make another Ezio? Like, can you even do another Ezio using that tech? Like, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think, you know, in general, I want all Ubisoft games, to be fair, just to become more distinct, more mm. separate from each other, have their own identities. Yeah, obviously, you know, you look at Assassin's Creed and you look at Watch Dogs side by side and visually you can't compare the two because obviously they're very different, have very different things going for them. But ultimately, I don't know, Alan, if you like, <laughs> if you like break it down to brass tacks and what they deliver in terms of their narrative goals or their gameplay goals, a lot of them are just far too similar for me at the moment. And I do right. hope that we get like a big shakeup because even though Valhalla is still recommendable in my opinion and does flex, like I said, within that Ubisoft framework, mm-hmm. I think ultimately by flexing, it shows just how limiting it is because it's still got a, a glass box bounce. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's still got to bounce back into the Ubisoft approach at heart and you could try to get away from that, but ultimately it's quite a constricting formula in my opinion and it is it's crazy as well because i think it's some it's, i do i i'm curious how much immortal will immortals ever get recognized because to me that is <laughs> the best playing ubisoft game that they've done in i don't even rayman legends like it's 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 mm. such a kinetic well animated bouncy sort of gameplay feel and i i've um, listened to skill up compare it to jack and daxter and i guess that's kind of close in terms of the bounce that jack and daxter has when you sort of chain different jumps together and stuff and i love that and I, but that for me the appeal of that is the thing that i wanted more of from valhalla to some degree where i would get in valhalla's case i was getting sick of the slow cutscenes. i was just buttoning through some of the dialogue i just want to play this you're offering me this ubisoft treadmill and i'll take it but i then want to i want to get stuck in i want to do the cool combat i want to go and like you know explore some ruins and i want to get some loot and i want to do all these things and then immortals just sort of said yep cool go do that go do that for like sort of 30 concentrated hours and we've made sure that you know all the um dungeon puzzles are awesome all the different pieces of loot you're picking up look great there's not a single thing you pick up that you don't like want to at least wear for a little bit because it looks cool um, and they even let you it's in Valhalla too but you can wear anything and make it look like anything else which doesn't make any sense mm. but you can like you know like you can do it in Valhalla I think as well but you can definitely do it in Immortals where if you pick up some you know a new piece of equipment that's plus 50% whatever but it looks oh, right. a little yeah, bit worse you, you can make mm. it look like the other thing that you had but you keep the buff um, transmog I guess it would be transmogrifying and um, I like that stuff I just think that they steer so hard into that gameplay formula that i'm like that could be the future for me um and maybe you're just the the cool grindy studio that make the really fun gameplay mechanics because it's almost nintendoian it's almost yeah. nintendo because <laughs> it's not like you know i mean it's so pulling for breath of the wild as well for immortals um but yeah to bring it all back to assassin's creed for like a final sort of point like going forward um do you think in terms of like sheer lore story stuff that they will do something with basim or do you think that like do you think they're retiring the layla character considering she stays in the cosmos place at the end 
I think so. You know, the way the ending goes, it feels like she's done now and we mm. are moving on to Basim as the main character looking for his family or whatever. Right. I'm sure they will get around to, you know, exploring who the reader is and what's going on with all these timelines and stuff because they make it such a major part of it. I just wonder how they're going to thread it into a future game. Is it again going to be relegated to like a 20-minute sequence at the beginning and end or is it going to be threaded more naturally throughout it's it's hard man because like mm. different studios work in these games so they're all juggling what they want to bring to the table with this added overarching story so i don't know whether the next team will address it at all whether they'll just kind of like pay a lip service to it ignore it and then let the team who made valhalla come back and pick it up in two or three years or whatever i think there's definitely potential there it's just we have no like unifying idea of what assassin's creed is anymore it's kind no. of like if call of duty if you had Treyarch, Sledgehammer, Infinity Ward, making like Call of Duty games within the same with one timeline story. or within the same story, like mm. it wouldn't really work. That's that series works because you've got these different developers playing to their strengths, having these sub franchises that continue their own storylines. And Assassin's Creed isn't necessarily like that. It's this big monolith, but it has so many voices kind of like adding to it that it has no real through line anymore. Mm. And that's the big miss for me. I would love going into the next game to see where the story gets picked up and where it goes and stuff. But I'm like, I can't trust that it's going to be substantial enough to right. justify that investment like i could get the next game and i might be pleasantly surprised with a bunch of twists about the reader or layla or basim and we get to see more of that story <laughs> but equally back. yeah yeah but equally they might just ignore it and like it's like that's just what assassin's creed is now you know that's the thing and that's another thing as well i know we have to like end this podcast but the more like that it's not being talked about right now i feel like this twi- this conversation should be everywhere like when when the when the minerva twist happened it was everywhere like, oh my god have you seen the end of assassin's creed 2 obviously this franchise is in a different place back then um but valhalla still sold loads but yeah it's just that general thing that people aren't getting through these games because they are so long like they look at the completion data the trophy data whatever people aren't seeing these final scenes so then it's like okay that stuff is just sort of siphoned off for the hardcore diehards and only them because only they are ever going to see it therefore they can go as crazy banana sandwiches as they want and just keep doing time freezing stuffs and the reader and all these plot threads uh, time threads and whatever the hell um and i just i don't know i don't know how much further you can go with it really and especially if they've lost their creative leads um like alongside the other dudes and so yeah i'm forever fascinated by assassin's creed i think it you know it, it and call of duty are one of the longest running franchises well, no, I say longest running franchises ever, but like story threads that go between them, like Assassin's um, Call of Duty is trying to pick stuff up with Black Ops, and now we have it with Assassin's Creed. And so, I don't know. For me, they could they could tie it all off. Like if they said this is it and we're done, like yeah. just t- your Ubisoft. It's not like you can't start a new IP. Um, you know, I don't think you even need to. I would tie it off. Have Layla and Des. They're in the cosmos. They're looking for a different reality where things are going to be better. And you tie it off, and you do something else, and you do the whole. This is the new IP from the Assassin's Creed studio. Because for me, yeah. when I play Immortals, I can tell that they had loads of gameplay ideas that wouldn't work in Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Um, and I, for me, that would be that would be my shout. My my big worry about the overall story of Assassin's Creed, I even had this back in um, the Assassin's Creed 3 days, is that you go so big with it, you're like, the world's going to end, there's this apocalyptic thing, the stakes are huge. Mm. But because, you know, Assassin's Creed is a franchise, it's like, it's just never going to end. I don't have any faith <laughs> in them wrapping it up in a satisfying way. I'm like, you're mm. just going, no matter what happens, you're going to have a world-ending thing that you literally had in Assassin's Creed 3. Because the franchise is going to continue and you're going to feel obliged to doing this present day stuff, like there's no way 
way that can wrap up satisfyingly. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, I have no faith that it's moving towards an end point. It's just like, kind of like comic books and comic books are cool, but it's just, it's a story that's going to continue why they reboot going. Them every now and then. Yeah, and it's just going to have no real impact on anything. And that's my big issue with it. And my big worry about that overall plot is I would love it more if they were like, right, this is the end of the Animus saga. This is the end of the future <laughs> stuff. We're, con- we're bringing that to an end. Assassin's Creed will continue, but we're bringing this story to a finite conclusion. Mm. Then afterwards, we're just going to enjoy this playground of history that we've made. Like, that would be fascinating. That would be cool. Mm. I don't think they'll ever do it because they just... I don't know whether they just don't want to, if they feel indebted to it or whatever, but it just feels like they're finding new ways to keep that story going. And then for the diehards, like you said, you make it through all 100 hours of these games. Mm. They finally get a bit of bit of story <laughs> development right at the very end to pay everything off. Well, that's kind of the the, the harsh reality. The reality of that is we wouldn't have, be having this conversation. This episode of this podcast wouldn't exist if they hadn't done that absolute crazy madness yeah. at the end of Valhalla. We wouldn't be talking. I mean, we didn't do a podcast on Assassin's Creed Russia or whatever the other one was called, where it was just gameplay and no story. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm here for them doing crazy dumb stuff. But I think if they end up getting into uh, Kingdom Hearts territory, or if everything feels like the end of Final Fantasy VII Remake, where it's just, I don't even, you know, just um, Eivor's yeah. fighting destiny itself. Like, I just, I don't know. But yeah, I guess over to anyone who wants to come and find us on social media, because there ain't no comments on an audio-based thing. Um, let us know what you think of Assassin's Creed. And we might end up picking this up in the future um, when more rumors come out or whatever comes out about what they're going to be doing next. Um, for now, though, this has been some sort of banter with my friend Josh Brown. <laughs> I love that. That's the new title. Some, side, some, some kind sort of banter. Of banter. With my friend Josh Brown. It's a pleasure as always, Scott. Thank you for being here at me losing the ability to speak words because Assassin's Creed has taken over everything in my brain. <laughs> as with me. We'll catch you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTER Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.